We Infuse Podcast, episode number 43. Welcome to the We Infuse Podcast. My name is Dylan McCabe, and in every episode, we give you a seat at the table as we talk with Infusion Center owners and operators and industry experts so that you can get the wisdom you need to run a successful infusion practice. Now, in this episode, I have Elizabeth Johnson on the show. She's the president and co-founder of nonprofit NAMAPA. She's also the CEO of Medico CX, a physician buying group, and she really brings a lot to the table when it comes to best practices, education, equipping, and how to, we're going to get into how to prepare for the end of the year and start the first quarter strong in your infusion practice. They even have a guide that they offer to uh, people who join their group. So there's a lot to learn from this episode. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And if you have not done so already, you owe it to yourself to get a demo of the We Infuse software. You will be absolutely blown away at how it simplifies and streamlines the infusion center work. Flow. It's truly a remarkable platform and uh, makes, as we say, it takes the confusion out of infusion. All right, guys, let's jump into this episode with Elizabeth Johnson. As I mentioned, we have a special guest on the show today, Elizabeth Johnson. So, Elizabeth, thank you for joining the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We're glad to have you on. And I always like to give our guests just a few minutes to talk about their background and kind of how they got into the world of healthcare up to the point. So, just give our guests a little bit of background info on your your journey in healthcare. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I'm a nurse by trade. I've been in healthcare a little over ten years now. Uh, I started out in an allergy practice that I actually found the job posting on Craigslist. Um, I graduated nursing school and worked in the hospital for a little bit and needed some different hours. So I worked private practice and I thought food allergy, you know, runny nose, it's going to be no problem. Um, shortly after a nurse that was there retired and handed me this big box for a biologic we had out at the time, Zolaire, and goes, here, it's yours, figure it out. And so I very quickly had to learn the world of specialty medications, um, prior authorization, insurance, and all that. And so worked my way up from working in a provider's office, running as a clinical coordinator uh, up to a corporate level. Um, I happened to work for a large group and built a centralized buy and bill. Uh, process for them. So learned a lot about insurance and access and pharmacy versus medical benefit. So spent the last six years doing that. Um, Did a lot of great things. I've partnered with a lot of manufacturers uh, and other organizations, um, which, you know, we'll talk about today about the nonprofit that we've started and really stuck my hands anywhere I could to learn um, what's best for our patients and what's best for providers. That's great. So you've become deeply immersed in infusion and you've made some really good connections in the industry. And like you mentioned, now you are you're involved in two things. You're the president and co-founder of a nonprofit called Namapa, and you're also the CEO of Medico CX. So let's let's talk about those. What 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 are you doing? Yeah, that's it's a lot to unpack. Um, they overlap and and I get to I get to hang out with a lot of great people because of that. So uh, a little, almost two years ago now, I was coming back with a friend of mine from a speaking engagement, and we started talking about what's your five-year plan? What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? And why we talk about that on an airplane, that's just our lives. Um, But we both had mentioned that we wanted to give back and a nonprofit would be the way to go. So NAMAPA stands for the National Association of Medication Access and Patient Advocacy. 
Um, we've tried to shorten it. We tried to explain what we do in, in less words uh, and for a better acronym, but that's what we landed on. And uh, the main focus is education and providers. There's a lot geared towards them and there's a lot geared towards patient advocacy. And I'm a full supporter of both of those. But as a previous biologics coordinator myself, um, I couldn't find anyone in allergy. It took a lot to finally make connections and to find uh, resources that would help me out. So NAMAPA's goal is to provide education to those in between provider and patient. And we tried to do therapeutic specific area, but access is access. And we wanted to really kind of blanket that and reach out to those, you know, that may have questions. And if for those that are looking for a career change or career growth, we don't want to limit them to just one area. So we'll teach about everything and make our advocates stronger. I think that's made me, I'm in the allergy space historically, that made me better in my space to learn about oncology, learn about rheumatology. So we work with everyone from coordinators to pharmacy techs, to financial counselors, to pharmacists, nurses, they're, they're all crammed in there. Um, but that also kind of led me to my day job where I was able to connect with providers who wanted to provide education, but also provide resources um, and aggregated uh, purchasing to physicians. And so my job at Medico CX is I'm a CEO, I have a team of five, and we help physician practices, solo physicians, purchase and source biologics, both injectable and infusible, um, at better rates. Um, but we also really work on their staff, right? Doctors can write scripts, but if they don't have the staff to navigate the access process, the patient doesn't end up on drug. Or if they do, they don't end up with copay assistance and some of these other really necessary things. So I get to sit in a really cool spot with a really great title um, and help patients and, and staff members. And I love it. That's great. Well, that's why we were excited to have you on the show, because we want to have people on like you who have leadership roles, um, who are, you know, you are accountable for some really neat stuff like education, equipping, being, bringing people together. That's, that's what you do every single day. So I know for this show, we're going to really focus on the MAPA. So you, you mentioned um, the MAPA focuses on education and there's a lot of education and equipping and resources out there. So what's the problem that you guys saw? What was the opportunity that you saw where, where, where there was a need there that you guys could meet with NAMAPA? Sure. So I see a lot of therapeutic specific uh, organizations and I love each and every one of them. Um, I think they do a great job advocating for their disease states. Um, but what I felt was missing and what my team felt was missing was the basics, right? Right now in healthcare, how many times have you heard we're short staffed, we're overworked, people are burning out. So what could we bring to the table to kind of help that and give people that foundation and that, you know, fallback of like, okay, I, I can learn this. So we really stuck with, with the 101, right? What is pharmacy benefit versus medical benefit? What is a prior authorization versus a predetermination? You know, these simple things that those of us that are in this role, we speak the lingo, but what if you don't, what if you're new? And we see it all the time. It gets passed to someone in the office or it gets passed over to someone and they're playing catch up. Maybe they've been a biller. So they know the medical terminology, but not the rest. So it's all inclusive. It is meant for any skill level from beginner to advanced. 
And I'm really, I mean, I love when the most advanced individuals come to us, read through material and say, you know, that refreshed me or that re-energized me because I haven't been over the basics in a while. So let's say we've got an infusion center and infusion practice and they hire a new MA and they want to kind of get them caught up to speed on, on the different facets of the practice. How do you guys, I know you're, you're kind of, you're trying to reach those people like that, that are not necessarily hearing this stuff all the time. How do you guys help them? Sure. So I'll talk about the here and now. So we're in November, um, going into December and into the end of the year. So what can you do for your infusion center right now? What's going to set you up for the best January one? So that, that part of the year is called the blizzard. And it comes from all the papers that fly through fax machines <laughs> that time of year, or in this case, electronic fax. Um, and so what can you do to set that up? What does balancing your inventory look like for the end of the year? Um, what does, you know, getting your patients scheduled appropriately. So we've created a guide. We've got one for both the blizzard and what you should start doing in January. It's available on our website for download. Um, so we just try to push material. We push it through social media, um, all with the common goal of, hey, there's patient letters in their examples, signs you can hang in your infusion center. So download it, take a look, see if it applies to your practice. That is so good. So for this, this gap that you saw where there was a need for people who need to be equipped and educated, what has been your biggest uh, takeaway or maybe a light bulb moment that you had when you guys started reaching out to your, to your target audience? Sure. Uh, I think it kind of varies in, in that skill level, right? We've, I've spoken with practices who I've worked with for a long time and just the simple organization of it, right? They get overwhelmed, uh, open enrollment starts, patients are calling, asking, what insurance should I get? And, you know, being able to say, hey, listen, here's resources to give your patients, especially your Medicare demographic, so that that burden is lifted off the practice. We know our patients, so we tend to get involved and want to answer and help them with all their stuff. But we need to handle it the right way. We need to make sure we utilize what's out there. So that's been great. Down to someone who's brand new, and they don't know the difference between specialty pharmacy and buy and bill. So what does that look like first of the year? What does that look like in general? Where, where do I go? And I think through all of it, it's really pushed us to leverage our manufacturer resources. I will personally say I get so caught up, especially in the prior authorization space of I'm going to get this approved. I forget what's out there from our manufacturer partners. And so reminding you know, these infusion centers and these practices that you do have a friend and, and a colleague to, to walk you through this stuff. And, you know, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call. I always highlight the field reimbursement or FRM role. Um, those are HIPAA compliant roles so they can talk to you about your patients. You know, they're there for you. And a lot of times reps get shut out of, of locations and they're not allowed back in. And I understand with COVID, we've had different precautions in place, but that person, if you don't know who your FRM is, um, contact NAMAPA, contact someone else for that pharmaceutical company, but find your person. Um, they're such a valuable resource. And if they don't know, they're great at escalating. They're great at connecting. Um, but that they are there for you. Like that is, that is your person. Please lean on them. Um, I, I know I speak with my FRMs for my different medications at least once a week, if not more. Uh, it's just such a great role to have. And for those that are looking to get into a field reimbursement role, I think these coordinators um, that do this process, 
they are great setups for field reimbursement. So, you know, having those discussions, what that would look like uh, is also incredible to have. So for practices that are dealing with this and they are dealing with the blizzard, like you call it, or just the difficulty of, of running a practice day to day, and you're just talking about field re- reimbursement reps and stuff like that. What's one big piece of advice that you could give just to impart some some wisdom off of what you've learned and, and working with the different practices you've learned? If, you know, if an infusion, if somebody owning an infusion practice or running an infusion practice is listening to this, what's one key piece of advice you'd want to give them on how to make this easier? Sure. I can tell you the minute I walk in. So in my, in my life, I've done some consulting um, in various practices and centers. And the one thing that I can always tell when I walk in the door is if they don't have a list of their patients, right. And you can go as simple as Excel, but have a list of the patients, what medication they're on, what their prior off dates may be their payer that they can quickly reference at any point that is transparent, right? Anyone in that center or that office could look at and see, If you don't know who your patients are on buy and bill, on specialty pharmacy, and on free drug, right? Have those separated out. That's my first indicator that they may not have a good grasp on what's going on in that that center. So my most basic, simple piece of advice is have a list of patients that are actively receiving treatment, as well as make a tab on that spreadsheet of who's discontinued. And so in an infusion center, a little bit different as scripts are being sent to them to to service those patients, still have that, have the reason they stopped. Um, If they, you know, if it's been three attempts and they haven't come back, make sure all that's included and in your EHR, of course, Uh, that kind of information just, it goes leaps and bounds. If you're trying to look at, you know, further process improvement from there, uh, identifying payer issues or trends. Um, it, it seems like it's the most common and basic thing that everyone would already have, but that is that is usually the number one thing I find that's not done. Interesting. All right. So that's a challenge to those of you listening. Do you have that list? Is it easily accessible by all? Is it is it followed by all? Is it uh, is it reviewed often enough? <laughs> so that's a good challenge. It's a good reminder. Yeah, it leads to inventory management and, you know, depending on how you stock drug and all that. I mean, it really, it is the core of what you should build off of. Um, I was just in some practices these last two days. And the first question I ask in prep for these meetings is, do your patient list? And one didn't have one. And it was a great way to kind of segue into how do you track authorizations? How do you track inventory? You know, what do you do this time of year? So it's a good conversation starter. If you don't have it, um, it's not a bad thing. We can get on the other side of it, but yeah, I, that's a great challenge to pose. Do you have that list? That's good. Okay. So I know one of the other things that you're particularly passionate about is really preparing for the end of the year. So what do you mean by that? What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. I, the end of the year is tough because we're rolling into the January one policy changes. Um, fee schedules can change. There's a lot that happens and we don't want a patient to fall through the cracks, Right. We can get so caught up in the process of it, what's going on, uh, what we have to do that a, a patient could really get left behind. So I say take full advantage of manufacturer resources. Um, there are recertification or reverification lists. Um, a lot of these portals from our manufacturers have um, the ability for us to get a list of all the patients we've sent through. It's a great time to check their appointment history, check if they have inventory on hand. Uh, any of those pieces and parts. 
but also what are you going to do as a staff come January 1 um, when a patient walks in with a new insurance card? Who's going to take benefits? Who's going to take authorization? And so instead of panicking the moment they walk in with a change, uh, you have a plan in place. This, you know, reserve this person's resources for, you know, checking that benefit. This person's going to immediately pick up the phone for the authorization. Or do you have voicemail messages, text servicing, what everybody has now to communicate with patients, your portal, um, who's changing that and who's monitoring it. And then also to the staffing point, you know, when a patient comes in, you really have to ask like five different ways. Do you have new insurance? Um, If we ask that, we get it. Oh, no, I'm fine. But did you get a new card? Do you have an app now? You know, asking all those different ways and having multiple staff members ask, I get it. We don't want to like berate our patients with questions, but we want to make sure for their protection and for our practices protection, we've asked that question and been as thorough as we can with it. Um, if you don't have a policy in place now to check eligibility two days prior to an appointment, please start doing that. Protect your infusion center. Uh, make sure you're looking at that kind of stuff, especially if you take Medicaid or some of these other plans. You want to check eligibility so that you can help the patient. Maybe they need to re-enroll. Maybe they need to you know, call some a counselor or something like that. So with that patient-centric mind focus, um, we can really protect our infusion centers that way. Also, end of the year, beginning of the year, people take off. We got the holidays. We're closed. Just making sure that continuity of care rolls all the way through. So good. So one of the first things you mentioned there was leveraging your manufacturer relationships. Uh, So for some people do that really well. Some people don't. So what's something simple you could say that that somebody should to do to start that process and, and get what they need? I like to go through. So I'm sure everyone has like a stack of business cards or somebody's contact info somewhere. Go through and make sure you have the right business card for the person taking care of your area. They can change. There's been some territory remapping. I know with the medications I cover. So make sure you have the right point of contact in case you need them. I'm pro manufacturer resources, so I'm always talking uh, to them. But if you're not, check your contact so they're there if you need them. And then, yeah, go from there. That's good. I mean, it's all about leveraging. We all stand on the shoulders of others. The more you work with other people as a team, the easier it's going to be. I think, and the next thing you mentioned was making sure people have predefined roles to accommodate this blizzard that that comes at the end of the year. And so that really speaks to your your organizational accountability chart. You know, making sure you have the right people in the right seats, making sure each one of those people in those seats have three to five things that they are really responsible for. So what's a good way that you guys keep a handle on that? Or how do you coach uh, people that are part of NAMAPA to to keep a handle on that? Because for for I think for people that are um, for some physicians or, or some people who run infusion practices, that's not their their first line of sight is I'm going to revamp my org chart before the end of the year. Yeah. So I think in allergy, we may be a little spoiled with this because we have practices that if you have an, an anaphylaxis or allergic reaction, we tend to assign a staff member a role. So we kind of have this pre-assigned mentality already. So if somebody goes into anaphylaxis, one person's charting, one person's IV, one person's epi, you know, so we're kind of used to that, but um, I pass that information along. So what we do is we look at who's quick uh, at certain things. We kind of leverage people's skill sets, right? If someone is, knows those payers really well, knows a back line or knows how to get through, they're our benefits person. Um, 
biologics coordinator, someone really good with prior authorizations, maybe knows the portals, knows which way to acquire those quicker. That's their kind of role. And we just sit around and talk about it. Staff meetings are so important, especially at the end of the year. I know we tend to let those slip because again, we're all busy, we're all short staffed, but those are really important. So kind of discussing that through uh, as well as leveraging practice managers, um, you know, they know the ins and outs of, of what's going on or infusion center managers, you know, who's doing what staffing ratios, making sure we have coverage that way. That's good. I mean, I think it's, it's, uh, it's great when you've already made a decision ahead of time and you've got those processes in place. So when we talk about that, especially preparing for the end of the year, I mean, do you guys have like an end of the year process or an end of the year checklist, or is it just stuff that, you know, I mean, tell me about that. So I have uh, in our end of year guide and our blizzard guide, we have checklists actually starting in October of things we recommend doing every single month. Um, and it goes through March. Uh, what what to be doing. Because again, some policies change whenever, some change first of the year, first of the second quarter. So how to look look ahead to those kind of things. Um, the checklists are tried and true. I put them in practice at all the locations I've been with before, but I'm always open for feedback, right? I'm not perfect. I'm not the end all be all. Um, I know what's worked for me, but there could be other tips or tricks, suggestions out there um, I default to this Blue Cross of Texas. They have this really great manual of an examples of insurance cards. You know, what does the little suitcase in the corner mean? I love all that info, but I'm sure there's more out there that I haven't come across. And I always, always open for suggestions or if you know of something so that we can one, update these guides, but two, there could be an inefficiency that I can correct by, you know, being aware of this. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff out there, but there's great room for communication and, and open dialogue around these. That's so good. I love that you guys have a checklist. It makes it really simple and simple is always better. So um, yes. that's the tagline of we infuse, we take the confusion out of infusion. And so when you talk about that checklist and those guides that you guys offer, you mentioned that it goes through the end of the first quarter of the following year. So what does that look like? What is it? What if you could have whatever you wanted for an infusion practice, what would they be doing January, February, March? So they're going to be faced with the natural uh, cycle of what healthcare is the first of the year, right? Whole times are going to be awful. And pardon my language, they're going to suck. There, someone in your staff is going to be sitting there for unnecessary time. Um, and there's just nothing we can do about that. Prior offs are going to take longer. The, the determination, they may say 10, 15 days. Some may say two days, but we all know it's going to be pushed out. So it's patience, right? Have, have some patience, <laughs> have some you know, understanding that you could be multitasking. Uh, the average coordinator may be on the phone and then typing one in at the same time. So just know that your, your workflow may be a little different, but we put it through that first quarter really to, to say to start, especially an allergy, right? We're very seasonal, but to always be looking ahead to the next trend and how can you set yourself up for that next part, that next trend that's coming. Um, in February, especially things should be getting better, but they may not be, we may be behind. If we think back to 2021 going into this year, we were already behind because of COVID. So there was already that catch up. Then the first of the year, I would I would love to say that I think 2022 might be a little bit better, but as soon as I say that, it's going to absolutely backfire on me. So I'm hoping that this new year 
we're we're less of a lag and less uh, less struggle than we were before. But I know that for my coordinators, what I what I am recommending to them is that if you catch word of a patient having new insurance, you submit the auth the same day you catch that. Um, using that date to kind of leverage, hey, I submitted it on this day. The patient had to postpone their treatment. I need them in next week. Um, is really helpful. Uh, not everything is an emergency, so please don't expedite everything unless that patient truly needs treatment. Uh, we tend to over-expedite things the first of the year because we want that determination quickly, but that just backlogs the process further. So be responsible about your expediting. Um, know that fee schedules and policies could change not just January 1, but January 15th, February 1st. So be sure you're following those, checking all of those for your practice. So there's, I mean, I could go on for hours of all the things that could happen, um, but really it's preparing yourself for January 1, following your preparations in January and February, and then executing. That's so good. I mean, the better you can prepare, the the less of an intense workload it is, right? So, Absolutely. So I hear you mention, you're mentioning leverage your relationship with manufacturers, Check and make sure you've got processes in place uh, because and make sure that they're simple, repeatable and followed by all. So uh, and then making sure that you've got even a checklist that you guys provide, which is great. And I think I think that's key to adjusting expectations of what your what your workload looks like that first quarter. So when we talk about preparing for the end of the year and uh, with all the 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 multifaceted scenario you've got with Christmas and new pa- patients going on, everything like that. I mean, what's what's one key piece of advice? We've said a lot, but if you would want our audience to hear one thing, if you had just 60 seconds, one thing on preparing for the end of the year, what would it be? The more prepared you are, the better you will be. But remember, we're human, right? Something may or may not happen. And so it's how you address the beforehand and prepare yourself, but also how you're going to handle if something goes wrong with a team approach you're less likely to have something go wrong, but know that again, you're a team. So if it does, you fix it as a team. That's so good. Yeah. You got to have that atmosphere where you guys can meet, whether it's once a week or whatever, to identify, discuss, and solve issues together. Most people don't identify, discuss, and solve. They just, uh, they just discuss. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They don't knock those problems down together and put them behind them forever. So that's great. That's really great advice. Well, what would be your your parting piece of advice for uh, for our listeners? We've talked about um, education and equipping. We've talked about preparing for the end of the year. Um, and I know you also are passionate about how we can all work together. So what would you like to part with as far as how we can all work together? Sure, absolutely. And it kind of goes with this whole theme we've talked about, right? investing in your staff and your time and making sure you do have time to have a full discussion, identify and find solutions is really key. And, you know, there's a million different nonprofits. We all have our different groups, but we all have overlap, right? The patient is our number one focus. And I'm sure with We Infuse, with NICO, with NAMAPA, we all have that patient-centric mindset. So while we're different, kind of different pieces and parts of, of how this goes, We really are all in it together. So at the end of the year, at any time of the year, um, I love that I can sit down with anyone from your team and chat, hey, this is what we have going on. Is there any recommendations you have for us? And really, you guys have such a great footprint with these infusion centers. I love the feedback. I love the team there. And I think we keep the discussion open. 
Um, I think these organizations, we've kind of become phone of friends at this point. You know, if there's a question, we throw it out on LinkedIn. We leverage our social media platforms to have these discussions. And uh, I'd love to see more of that. I'd love to see more advocacy together. And I kind of throw that out there because these manufacturers, while we're pushing for their resources, they have these new advocacy roles. And uh, there's a few that I've worked with that are excellent. And there's a few that I've worked with that I'm not sure they know where they're going. So how can organizations like yours and mine really get the most out of these relationships um, and truly put this advocacy to the test? Because I think, you know, post-COVID world, if we ever get there, um, we're going to need some help. And I think that's the way, the avenue we should be going. It's so good. Well, I know people listening to this are going to want to learn more about NAMAPA. So what's the best way that they can get in touch with you guys? Absolutely. We have a website, www.namapa.org. Um, you can contact us through there um, and you can personally reach out to me. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all the social sites. Um, and so is my team. So we have our own page on LinkedIn. Shoot us a message. Uh, it'll come directly to one of us and we're happy to further the conversation, um, send you any of the guides that we have, but more so, please give us feedback. We are, we are wide open and ready to receive it. Awesome. Well, Elizabeth Johnson, she's the president and co-founder of NAMAPA. Thank you so much for joining our show today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. All right. Great interview with Elizabeth Johnson. I love what she said about making sure you've got those people in place with a plan to get ahead of the blizzard. I also like what she said about processes, the even the very checklist that they offer. So I'm sure one, uh, many of you are interested in that. You can go to their website, or like she said, you can connect with her on LinkedIn. And if you want to learn more about how We Infuse can save you time and money, just head over to WeInfuse.com, schedule a free test drive with one of our account executives today. You will be so glad you did. All right, guys, this is Dylan McCabe with the We Infuse podcast, and I will catch you in the next episode.